Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, thank you for always showing up to VM Nation. Guys, give a warm welcome to Chad, my brother. He's a father. He's a husband. Podcast host. You might have seen him on Forbes. He's got so many things going on, but most of all, he's a brother in Christ. So welcome to the show. Chad, brother, welcome to the show. My friend, it is good to be here. I've got my coffee right here. It's not the Kaufman coffee, but it's a coffee. We'll work on that because <laughs> Todd actually bought 30 bags of coffee the last time he was here. Okay, that's perfect. So his, all his staff drinks vertical momentum coffee, but we'll talk about that later. So before I get started, uh, because I do have a traumatic brain injury, if I don't ask you a question, I'm going to forget it. And if you see me writing stuff down, it's because I want to go back and talk about it. Um, what is your definition of resiliency? Man, resiliency to me is when you fall off the horse, do you get up? Do you, when you get punched in the face, do you continue? And resiliency matters. Um, when we talked earlier, you asked me a question about if I could do a TED Talk for 18 minutes, what would it be on? And I had three traumatic events in 2021. And they were on a scale of one to 10 between a nine and a 10. And that's never happened in my entire life. And yet I've, I have resiliency because I have faith. I have faith that God is who he says he is. I have faith that God does way more. He, he If I follow his path and I ride shotgun and let him drive the car, there's so much more to be gained. So even as I face three traumatic events in one year, it led me to meet over 150 guests on my podcast. It led me to meet people I would never have met. I got to meet Steve Green at the Museum of the Bible just a month and a half ago and in a group of 30 people. Darren Gray, Steve Green, Todd Saylor, I got to hang out with. Like These things don't happen if I don't keep faith. And it wouldn't happen if I didn't have those three traumatic events. I'm confident of that. And I love it. And Todd Saylor, brother, I love you. I can't wait to see you in November. You and your bride are amazing. And guy, I got to come and get some of them donuts sometime. I just wanted to say that. Uh, so, you know, let's. You know, I want to talk about this because just yesterday, no matter how big or popular or um, successful we get, a lot of us, including me, we deal with imposter syndrome. You know, we deal with, am I good enough? Because um, I, I was I was feeling, I don't know what happened. I was, I guess, you know, the devil was working on me yesterday. And he, and I was I was actually ready to quit the Vertical Momentum Podcast and shut it down. Even with over a thousand episodes, almost a million downloads. But then I heard my brother, Ed Milet, his something, I said, Lord, give me a sign. I said, let me know that I'm still supposed to do what I do. And one of his one of Ed's videos came on my Facebook page, which I don't know why. And it was talk about it. Just one more. Just show up one more time. Mm. And that's when I said, you know what, Lord? OK, you're in charge. I'm just going to show up and do this thing one more time. So, guys, no matter how successful we are, whether you're a best selling author like we are, you know, podcasts, whatever it is, we still have those feelings of. Um, that we don't belong and we that we want to quit. So guys, if you listen to this, like we're going to talk about Chad and his three things that happened to him in 2001. I mean, uh, 21 and he didn't quit. He just did one more. 
did one more rep, showed up one more day, said one more prayer. So guys, if you're struggling today, listen to this podcast because this might save your life or maybe your children's life. Man, let me give you one right there. John Guiden, during that time, this was like 30 days after uh, event number one, trauma number one. I heard John Guiden. He played for the CU Buffs, Go Buffs. <laughs> and uh, he was doing this motivational seminar. And he, when he was younger, he couldn't even put a sentence together. He had heavy dyslexia. He couldn't speak. And, and yet he kept putting one foot in front of the other. The one phrase that he used, he goes, all right, it's like the Flintstones, right? <laughs> if we've seen the Flintstones, if you're over 40, you probably know what the Flintstones are. If not, it's a cartoon. Look it up on YouTube. But his concept in front of a large audience is yabba dabba do. And so, yeah, but you, you say, well, you know, I've already done a thousand shows. Yeah, but I've done a thousand shows. I don't know if I could. Yeah, but. And he said, and his whole point is, yeah, but, yeah, but do. Just do. Yeah, but you don't understand. I was canceled. Uh, you don't understand. I got COVID and I can't even smell anymore. You don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, but do. Take the first step. One more show. Yep. Now, talking about Colorado, by the way, I'm a big Dion guy. I love Dion. And even though they got blown out and lost a big lead by like 28 points, he kept on and he showed up and said, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. No matter. This is the worst I'm at. So there's nowhere to go from here from to go from here. We're going to go up. So and I, and I love that, that people that are successful in life, they just don't quit. You know, even like Burt Young passed away last year. I mean, last week he was on, it was in Rocky, but most people don't realize that he was a United States Marine. He was a purple heart recipient, but he kept on going to become something, something greater. So guys, no matter what you're going through, God has a bigger plan for you than you even think of. So Chad, let's hop in the way back machine. Let's hop into DeLorean. Tell us a little bit about where you come from, where'd you grow up and how did you become the force that you are today? Born in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, but moved to Colorado at about age four or five. We started in Colorado Springs. My dad was in the Air Force. So he graduated from medical school at University of Madison, uh, UW. And, um, and then we moved to Colorado Springs. I can still remember at age five, my brother's three, my sister's not born yet. And we're in the backseat of the Buick. And when we drive in to the gate uh, there in Colorado Springs, the, the guys would salute my dad because he came in as a general in the Air Force because he was a doctor. And me and my brother always thought that they were saluting us. So we, you know, as little five-year-olds and three-year-olds, we'd salute them back. And then we'd, we'd drop the salute and they would salute and, and come to find out later in life, it was my dad that they were saluting. But um, that's where it started. Then we moved to North and Colorado. I grew up in Colorado and Castle Rock is where we ended up, Douglas County High School. Um, I played lacrosse my senior year. Uh, let me even go before that. Before that, I lived in a nice neighborhood, which is now the neighborhood I live in now. I moved here two years ago. I'm two miles from where my parents live and we live in the same neighborhood. At the time, this is important to understand, my dad was a doctor. So similar, when I read your uh, your book this morning and yesterday, um, 
I had a perception that dad didn't love me. Now, it turns out my perception was couldn't be farther from the truth, but it was a misperception. But I told stories about that through my entire life. And so I didn't he didn't come to all the games, lacrosse games, swim meets. Mom was there every time. And so I just made up a story in my mind. Oh, dad must not love me. No, he, he had a job. <laughs> you know, it's called being a doctor. He'd fly to different states sometimes to read x-rays because they didn't have remote at the time. So yeah, he was there more often than not, but I put a story in my head. So, uh, so in those times I grew a mohawk. I actually had a nose ring for a time and three earrings. And I was like, see me now. I, I, want, me that now? Pic- I want that picture. So I can put it on your thumbnail. I'll send it because I have it, man. It's a double, a double wide. <laughs> yeah, the the skateboards still uh, reside right up there. <laughs> nice. So, so that's the story that I told. Well, what did that story cause me to do? One time in eighth grade, he pulled me aside and he said, "Chad, I just want you to know." God's real. God loves you. We went to church on Sundays every Sunday. And and he said, um, you know, in past generations, the next generation usually made more money and was more successful than the last one. And he goes, I want you to focus on being happy. He's like, I'm a doctor. You may not get to the level that I'm at from an income perspective. And I read that as, okay, <laughs> that's my competitive calling, right? I played lacrosse. I'm a competitor. What are you talking about? So I worked my butt off for about 10, 15 years to achieve the number that he told me in the kitchen that day. And then when I got there one year and I sent him a fax and I said, dad, I did it. And I don't even remember if I heard back or not. And and then it was a little like, oh, huh. It took me a while to figure out dad's right. (laughs) You know, Gary V is another person you've referred to. Gary says, hey, if you make 50 grand, 40 grand, 180 grand, $5 million a year, it doesn't matter. It's, are you aligned with your, with being happy, you know, and, and living in your God given dream. I mean, it's so that, but it's interesting because one could say, Oh, dad didn't love me. Or, and there's many, many kids who have abuse, physical, uh, all kinds of other things. And man, I thank God I didn't have that. But to me, my perception is reality and I, I made that story up over time. So, but it, I now look back and say, you know what, if that, if things didn't play out the way they didn't play out, maybe I wouldn't have been as competitive and maybe I wouldn't have done the things that I've been able to do in my life. You just have to look at everything that comes your way. And when you look back over your shoulder, you're like, yeah, that sucked at the time, but man, am I a better person for it now? So that that's my early childhood. I've been in sales for 25, 30 years. I've written four books. It took me 10 years to write the first one. And then once I came up with the idea to do it, it took 54 days from, from uh, thinking about it to delivering it. Um, been on the bestseller list. I've taught a lot of salespeople how to sell, how to lead. I've managed teams as many as 100 people over the years. And, uh, but my passion is helping the underdogs. I feel like All right, so let's talk about this for a second, because um, I've had many millionaires, billionaires, authors, athletes from David Meltzer all the way from the authors of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Come on. And something that even, you know, even people that I admire, Gary Vaynerchuk, 
Ed Milek, um, Grant Cardone, they talk about enjoying the process. You know, even like, you know, I retired with 23 years in the military. Even though there was a lot of shit times, a lot of times where it's raining, pouring, you're hungry, you're tired. I miss the process. You know, I, I miss the hanging with the guys. I miss doing the thing. And I think a lot of guys, even I've had a couple of Super Bowl winners come on, they're like, yeah, winning the Super Bowl is great. But now as I, I retired, I miss those dog days of summer. I miss those days doing two-a-day practices, drinking out of a garden hose. You know, I miss those days. And I think if we, me and you can talk to people today that we need to enjoy the process mm-hmm. because no matter what job you do, there's a shelf life. And, you know, what do you do after the shelf life is over? And if you didn't enjoy the process, you pretty much wasted your whole life. So please talk about that. Because I think a lot of people are just, they want it. They want it. They want the house. They want the beach. They want the car. They want the, you know, they want the boat. But they lose the kids. They lose the wife. And now they're sitting at the kitchen table by themselves, even though they got the big boat and the big house. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. So I've been part of this group called the Pro Player Prayer Project. It's quite a mouthful, but now I can say it all in one in one sentence. Uh, that's the website too, by the way. Pro Player Prayer Project. On September seventh, we held an event at the Museum of the Bible in Washington D.C., just a block away from the U.S. Capitol, and we had Steve Green in the room. We had Chris Branch, NFL player. We had Leslie, um, blanking on her last name, superstar and WNBA person, Carolyn Moose, who played for Stanford. Um, Charlie Ward dialed in on the phone. The, the most memorable thing of the day that happened, uh, even <laughs> we even had one, an actor that was on the line ready to be called on, and we never called on him. And, and he's a very well-known actor, but we didn't call on him because of this. K.J. Wright played for Seattle Seahawks. Played in yep. the Super Bowl. Wide receiver. Yep. Right? And yep. just an absolutely amazing guy. He's got a family that he loves, that loves him. Life is good. He calls in, and he's going to be one of the speakers to talk about prayer and the importance of prayer in life. And Earl Christie was on, who played in Super Bowl three, who does pastor stuff, and just an, another amazing man of God. And and KJ goes, okay, hey, um, Guys, I know I'm here to talk to you about prayer today, but I need prayer. And he was like, guys, you got to understand. I played in the Super Bowl, but I miss the structure, guys. I miss living in the trenches, just like you're talking about right now. And Darren Gray, who wrote a book called The Jersey Effect, who's also good friends with Todd Saylor, jumps in the driver's seat, says, hey, to the other pastor, he goes, hey, get out. Because KJ was on the phone and on the Zoom, and he could tell right then and there that KJ needed something. So he looked in his eyes and he was like, KJ, I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And he said, Earl, you there? And Earl was also on the Zoom, right? And he goes, can you pray for my brother KJ right now? And he said, from the bottom of your soul to the top of the crown of your head, you know, and he just went through this prayer in the moment. And what I think was really neat in that moment and we have it, we can put it in the link to the broadcast here. But in that moment, he said, hey, you've been playing for 
football teams. You've been, you made it to the top of your class. But he talked about how the ultimate goal is to grow closer to God and have a relationship with Jesus. And so no matter if you're a firefighter or a celebrity NFL football player who has it all from the boats to the cars, to the house, to the wife and the kids, he still was missing that. So now being pointed towards the new competition in his life, which is growing closer to God, you could just tell his head was down. He was teared up and he was moved to say, okay, got it. Maybe I'm playing on a different field now, but I'm still playing. And in that moment for all of us in the room, because we were there to talk about prayer. Now we got to experience prayer and true Holy Spirit showing up. So, man, that was one of the most moving things that happened this year was seeing that transpire. Now, go back, going back to Colorado, uh, one of the reasons I love Dion, I met him at a TD Jakes conference and I had lunch with TD Jakes. Um, but he said, you know, I won the Super Bowl with San Fran. I won the Super Bowl with Dallas. I have $100 million in the bank. I got, the, I got a beautiful wife and beautiful children at home. And I'm ready to drive drive off a drive off a cliff. He says, I have everything, but I'm still empty. And that's what I think we're talking about today is we can have everything, but we can still feel empty. So now, okay, before because I want to hit on what we're gonna talk about uh, 2021. But first I want to thank our sponsors. Um, as you guys know, I was with GNC for over 30 years and military for over 23. I love pre-workouts. I love coffee, but either they tasted like ass or I pooped myself as soon as I drank it. So it was low quality. So I decided to, to make our own. So we, we have vertical momentum, uh, high energy coffee, twice the energy, no crash. But guys, the best part about this is every time you buy some of our coffee, Todd Seller bought 30 bags of coffee the last time he was on. For every bag that we sell, we're going to, and I make zero, I make no money off of it. Zero. I make zero, nothing. 100% of it goes to help veterans and struggling with homelessness and PTSD. We're going to, we take 12 veterans and their families, take care of them for one year, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially at zero cost to the veteran. So guys, if you love coffee with a mission, write coffee down below and I'll get that information to you. Like I said, I don't make any money off it, but I'm paying it forward from where I came from. And Chad, you know where I came from. So, um, but also guys, if you're a CEO, a CFO, you guys know that a veteran is the number one most, there's somebody that only 2% of the population are veterans. And that 2% are put, willing to put their lives on the line to save the other 98%. So, guys, if you hire a veteran, you're getting the best of the best. And if you're a CEO, CFO, make sure you get, get in touch with us. We'll teach you how to hire veterans, why to hire veterans. We'll also teach you all the tax breaks you'll get for hiring a veteran, up to $12,000 a year. And if you have a company that needs $10 million, to make it handicap accessible, the, the government will pay 100% of it. So, guys, make sure if you want to hire veterans, if you want to know how to hire veterans, 
write veterans down below. All right. And I love you guys. Thank you for all the support. So, Chad, let's talk, brother, because we're going to get into some deep stuff. We're going to get into the deep waters here. Um, talk to us about, you know, the three things that you went through in 2021. Yeah, so it started out early in that year. If you remember, uh, there was an election in November. January was kind of the day when everyone, uh, the, the big day, everyone showed up at the Capitol. There's probably a million people there. Well, I happened to be in D.C. that day. Didn't do anything wrong, was just there. And um, I took a picture with a guy in the crowd of a million people that I posted on my Facebook. And uh, within 24 hours, I get a call from the local news media in Colorado that says, hey, we're running a story on you, Chad. And I was like, oh, great. I was just into your news station three months ago for another story. What is it? And they're like, oh, who's the guy in this picture? And I was like, oh, wait. Well, it turns out that kid, it's now shown he was the second person who actually went in the building on January the 6th, 2021. So I happened to get a picture with him. So now they want to know who is this guy with this picture? So within 24 hours, I went from running a million and a half dollar business to death threats and everything you can imagine, right? The, the term cancel culture. So, so it was so painful. You know, your family's going to be, I'm, we're going to kill you. All these, all these threats and things. And I'm like, man, I just took a picture with somebody in a crowd. What is going on here? So that was super painful. And to the point where I felt like, man, imagine I, this helps me understand what Jesus must have felt like because he didn't do anything wrong. He stands for love. And yet he was crucified, killed, and buried. And that's that's what I lived for about a month. My passwords were hacked online. Customers sent in cancellation notices. Uh, it, so it was painful. Okay. That's th three weeks later, trauma number two roars its head. We get a call. We're out to dinner with my nephew and niece, and we get a call from our son to my to my wife. And she picks up the call, and my son says, "I've been in an accident, and I'm trying to overhear this phone call. What kind of accident? It's a burn accident. Send an ambulance." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And motherly instincts take off. Bye. Because we both had two cars because we were there with my niece and nephew. She goes instantly to meet up with him at his apartment. And then I'm like, okay, I need to drop off these niece and nephew at their house. My brother's out of town. So I call my brother. He goes, Chad, you need to go see Brennan right now. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm in shock. And I go, let me just go drop off the kids at your house. It's fine. And then I'll go meet him at the hospital. So I go to the hospital three hours. And I'm praying. I'm, we don't know, right? Is his face burned off? His hands were burned badly. So then I get a picture and it's terrible. It's as bad as you can imagine. The whole face burned, both hands, both sides. So I go three weeks prior, we we're skiing in the mountains on a weekend. Then, then that happens. And, and now I'm like, wait a second. Okay, it's not poor me anymore. You can take my business. You can take my reputation. You can take anything you want, but don't take my son. Like what's going to happen, right? 
And I was so it flipped. So now I'm like, holy cow, now I know what it must feel like if you're God and you send Jesus to earth and he gets crucified and condemned for something that he didn't even do. And he tried to help humanity. What is going on? So, so he gets there, we pray. My wife and I get down on our knees at the conference room table at this hospital. And we've never been on our knees praying. And we were on our knees praying, holding each other, praying. Nurse comes in. Okay, I'll leave you guys alone. I posted on Facebook that night about faith. And I said, hey, when trauma hits, you can either run from God and say, how can you let this happen? Or you can lean in and run to God. And I was like, guys, this just happened. I had like 19,000 people comment on that post. Remember, from being canceled three weeks prior to now this. And so it was just amazing. And people who were maybe thinking the worst of me as a human being and now are praying for my son. And so three weeks in, they have a new treatment. It's called resell. And they only do it in seven states. And this hospital that we were at was one, was the feeder hospital where they do it. And it's a trial thing that's been around 10 years. So it sticks half the time. So they're like, we might be able to do the resale. So anyway, long and short, three weeks later, the gauze comes off and he was totally healed. It was as if he just had a little bit of a sunburn. And then a month later, completely fine. Both hands healed. And I remember being on my knees in the parking lot one day as well. I was like, God, because you're walking and your knees just give out, you know, and I kneeled down. I was like, God, I've never asked for a miracle and I'm asking for one now. There's no way other than a miracle that this can happen. And I just prayed that prayer and, and boom, the miracle happened. So, so that's trauma one canceled like you would not believe didn't do anything wrong, didn't break any laws, didn't go into the damn capital. There's a lot of people who did, and I did not. Um, sun gets burned. And then later that year in September, I face a very bad bout of COVID because I was one of the people that are like, oh, yeah, it's just a cold. It's maybe just a flu or whatever. And then it was like, no, <laughs> it's a little worse than that. Day seven, I get to the point where it's I'm down to a 72 oxygen and I could barely move. And I get out, I go to the nebulizer on the floor and I was like, God, if this is it, you can take me. I'm yours. I'm yours. And in that instant, I realized that, man, if I'm willing and able to give myself to eternity and take the step to heaven and eternity, that's awesome. Because that means I have faith, trust, and confidence that my wife is amazing. I'm ready to hand the keys to eternity of her raising my kids. I'm like, thank you, God, for giving me the most amazing wife, the most amazing kids, my parents, like all of it. And, and so that was kind of the culmination. It's like, first, I experienced being what it must have been like to be the son of God and to one one millionth of 1%, right? His treatment was far worse than anything I experienced, but I wore those shoes for three to four weeks maybe even two years, because I held on to that trauma for a very long time. Then I experienced what it's like to be like to be the father, because now it's like, hey, you're beating my son over here. Why'd you do that to him? And then I feel the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. I even prayed one night and I said, God, I believe in you. I know you. I don't know if I've ever met you. And that night I met God at 3 a.m. He came into my presence, into my room, and I just felt the presence of God. It was just 
peace, a peace of mind that passes all understanding. I was like, okay. And it felt like an hour and it was probably only two minutes. And at the end of the two minutes, I was like, okay, God, I got all I need. Thank you. You can go now. I can appreciate you. Um, then next day I had, I, I was awakened again because I've always thought once you die, you're kind of going in the ground and eternity is like a Bose headset and it's fine. You're just not going to experience things in the future. And, and that was my story that I made up and told myself, even though I believe in the Bible and I believe in heaven and everything else. It's like, well, but there's probably 95% chance of this. Well, the next day God corrected. Cause I was like, yeah, I met God. Okay. That's heaven. And he corrected me the next day I'm in the garden and I see my wife running in the garden. And then I look over my other shoulder and there's another person. And I was like, and again, wake up. I'm like, okay, got it. I met you, God. And now I got to experience heaven. Heaven is real. There's more than just me and my wife there. There are experiences after death. Right. And so all that year, man, from it now gives me the experience to have empathy for people who are canceled. Maybe they were arrested and they go to prison. And guess what? Society throws them out and says, you're a $12 worker now. You're prisoner number 4532724. What do you mean? I made one bad decision. Maybe I made 25. Maybe I made 100. God says, I'll forgive you seven times, 77 times. And so it now gives me newfound perspective. These folks who get arrested because of a bad decision, my friend Jarvis Guthrie, JarvisGuthrie.com. Man, that kid, he went in for 18 months. He made one bad decision. He was drinking too much. He was a wide receiver for his football team. He had all everything in, in a row. And then he goes, he goes out of the party, he walks across. He thinks he's back at the same house, he tries to kick in the door. It's a police officer's house. Police officer gun jams, so his life spared, pistol whips him, he ends up in the hospital, and he goes to jail for 18 months. And this kid has such a relationship with Jesus that he will lead so many people into eternity, into a relationship with Jesus. He's like, Chad, it's the best thing that could have happened to me. I'm thankful for my 18 months in prison. So I think that, that's, something that, that's something that I wrote down. Um, because, and you read my story, um, but something that my mentor, Ed Mylett says, you know, things happen for you. They don't happen to you. Mm. And everything is a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. So everything that's ever happened in anybody that's watching or mine in your lives has brought us to this exact moment. Every decision we've ever made brought us to this moment. And it's just because God says, all right, I want you here at this time on this day. So whatever, guys, if you're watching this, things didn't happen to you. They happened for you. And they're for you to learn. And so you can be able to teach somebody else and let your mess become your message. So, Chad, all right, brother. Now, this is also a teaching podcast. So we're going to get into the, the deep nitty gritty um, because, you know, I'm big on LinkedIn. That's my number one platform. Uh, and it's see, and we were, I think we're on, we're one of the top 10 voices on, on, uh, on LinkedIn, but everybody that I see is either an AI expert. I think all the people that used to do crypto, all of a sudden they moved over to AI uh, or, you know, they, they went over to, 
when they were start, started selling uh, car warranties. Now everybody's an AI guy. Well, you, because I studied your stuff, I followed you, I read everything I could. You are a, an AI guy that I would trust with my business. So, uh, and I'm a big, I love chat GPT. I love it, but we're going to talk about how to use AI and chat GPT effectively, but not using it as a crutch, but using it as your assistant. So let's, let's, let's dig into it because AI is here guys. And if you're, if you're not using it to better your business, your, um, your competitors are. So, Chad, let's get down into the nitty gritty, brother. Well, you know, I've got the book here and this was I brought this to Vegas when it first came out in 2019 is when we wrote the book called AI for Sales. And I interviewed a lot of different people and we did a lot of research and AI really wasn't even a, it wasn't really in the limelight yet. Right. It really became big about a year ago, 2022, maybe end of 22. So I take this to Penn and Teller show. And I hold it up and I said, hey, tell her, can you hold this up to your face and I'll take a picture? And he's like, yeah, OK, sure. And he talked. Right. I, I always thought Teller was a mute because he never talks on television. But he actually was like, yes. And he was talking to me. Then I go over to Penn and I go, hey, um, can you take the hold this up? He's like. I go, well, Teller did it. And he goes, well, Teller's a freaking idiot. <laughs> I was like, OK, OK, OK. Um, so yeah, I wrote this book in 2019. I've, I've had over 150 guests on the AI for sales podcast and it's amazing. And it's also scary at the same time, right? What jobs could be eliminated? What's going to change? There's a lot of scariness around it, but the opportunity is way bigger than the scariness. Um, in the research that I did, I was on a Newsmax show not too long ago and they, it was two episodes of 10 minutes each. Uh, actually, I think it was ticker tape, one of those two shows. And uh, we talked about the impact on jobs. And when you do the research, there's going to be something like 70 million jobs eliminated around the world out of 3.2 billion, roughly, plus or minus. But there'll be 60 million jobs created. So it's almost a net a net neutral because of the new jobs that will be created. So that's the first thing, the elephant in the room that I always talk about. Now, how do you leverage it effectively? Oh, I just keep coming up with new ideas. So have you heard of Neuro Linguistic Programming or NLP? Yep, I learned it from my brother, Tony Robbins. Okay, so I'm doing a masterclass on that. And it's an 18-month program. It starts as one-on-one -on -one weekly. And then it's a group starting in January. And it's by someone who's done it for 35 years. She's one of the best of the best of the best. So anyone that's listening wants to be part of an NLP group, we're starting in January. I'd love to have you join us. Um, there's words and eye movements that people do, right? There's see, hear, feel, and then there's associated 30, 40 words with each of those different categories. See, hear, feel, right? How would I, as a human, be able to hear you say a word like listen or look is the similar to see you can um, you can make that in your unconscious competence years from now if you do the work but you really have to study and build it imagine so what i did is i took my podcasts i converted them to text i put them into chat gpt i put the library of all those words see hear think feel 
And then all the words that associate to those. And I said, find them in my conversation with the people that I talk to. <laughs> so imagine where I'm going with it is imagine an app where we're talking right now and you use a word like look. Well, that's a, you know, that's a C word. That's there's certain information that you can gather from someone in the conversation based on the words they use or based on their eye movements. If I look left or right, if I'm looking up here, I'm constructing. If I'm looking up here, I'm pulling from my past. So where I'm going is a 401 class in ChatGPT, just giving you an example of how you could build an actual application that reads what's going on on the screen and then serves up information. So I, I took you to the end game, which is where all these things will be built out, powered by AI. For right, the so novice now, user, there's probably a few different things we should talk about. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about chat GPT, like I say, because I use it every day, and, I, and I'm not afraid to say it. You know, I have friends that are lawyers. They have personal assistants. I have friends that are doctors. They have personal assistants. Chat GPT is my personal assistant, so I'm not afraid to say it. But if you give me a hammer, I can only break shit. But if you give a hammer to somebody that is a finished carpenter, he can make beautiful things out of it. So if you get 80 guys or girls and they're all putting the same prompts into AI, you're going to get 80 things that are written the same way. So a lot of it has to do with the prompts that you're putting into it and the time that you're actually putting into it to make ChatGPT work for you and make it yours so you're not biting off everybody else. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so let's say you wanna write a LinkedIn connection request. And then after they connect, you wanna write a message. A lot of people get that wrong, right? They make it about themselves, they connect, and then they try to sell something. If you can ask ChatGPT, or you wanna write an email thread or those kinds of things, um, Instead of just asking, write an email, you need to be more specific. So there's a guy named Josh Braun. To me, Josh yep. Braun is one of the best of the best when it comes to cold calls, email writing, sending out a LinkedIn, making it all about the person, right? So if I'm going to work with a new customer, I'll take all their content and I'll put it in ChatGPT and I'll say, hey, here's a paragraph. Here's another one. Here's about the CEO. I'll, I'll train ChatGPT on the customer. Then I'll say, okay, now that you know who, who this customer is, write a LinkedIn message that's less than three sentences using a Josh Braun approach, for example, and make it all about the customer and the, and the value that they could expect by partnering with this company. And so then if you can just ask it in the term, or maybe there's a really good marketer that you follow out there, you know, write the email in the tonality and, and the way that Gary Vaynerchuk would do it. Write a YouTube script in the Gary Vaynerchuk approach. And as of now, all of that IP is searchable on the internet because Gary's been all over the world. So it's going to, the AI is going to know how to do it. I think in a few years from now, they may start to gate some of that and say, okay, you can't ask it to write a Gary Vaynerchuk styled email because that's his IP. But in today's environment, man, there's a lot you can do just by asking it to think like Gary would, for example. Now you also, you know, there's a lot of people say, oh, I don't, I don't believe in AI. 
but and but then I say, okay, have you ever watched? Have you ever binged anything on Netflix? And then watch the next recommended video. Welcome to AI, pal. You just got, you're using AI without you even know that you're using AI. Correct. That's right. When I was at the C-suite network in New York two, three years ago, again, right when the book came out and I, I asked all these 300 CEOs in the room, raise your hand if you're using AI. And in 2019, it was like nobody. Right. So there was three people that raised their hand out of 500. And then I said, OK, is anyone using Zoom Info or Discover.org at the time? And, and then 30 percent of the room raised their hands. I said, OK, you're using AI. You just don't know it. Because if you're pulling data and you do a lookalike audience or all the things that a tool like Zoom Info does, then you're using AI. So what I'm seeing now is that all the major apps, whether you're doing LinkedIn software, email, you're doing video.ai, Opus Clips, all these different technologies that you maybe use on a daily basis already have AI built into them. And so my encouragement to you would be pay attention to the little new, when it says bold N-E-W, you should probably pay attention to that because that's the AI that's being brought into the technology that you're already using today. And it seems like now everybody, you know, you got Baird out there, you have chat GPT, everybody's getting into the game. But a lot of people, like I had Steve Sims on the show, Steve D. Sims, um, and he talked about how he had his book ghostwritten and his wife was started reading it. She's like, you can't put this out. And he's like, why not? Because it doesn't sound like you. And I think you've read my book. You know that I'm only a ninth grade dropout. My grammar is not that great. So if I'm putting out posts using 10 syllable words, using the words like unlocked and on every on every every episode, you know that it's not me writing it. So talk about that as you know, putting yourself in AI as a tool so people don't think, yeah, he didn't write that at all. It's all yeah, it's, it's interesting it's, as I've delved into this for sure. Because yeah. if I do an Instagram post and I write it and I say, all right, come join the Pro Player Prayer Projects on Monday at 404 to 444. Well, that, that's pretty basic, right? Now, if I go in and say, hey, we've got Carolyn Moose, M-O-O-S, by the way, who has 50 different accolades and awards for the work that for all the sports that she did. She's an amazing human being. And then I put, you know, some Wikipedia posts and, you know, write a four sentence invitation to this event. This was the one last this, this Monday. So yeah, recent. <laughs> and, um, and then it, it writes it for me with some stars, a fist bump, a basketball, and so now it's given me something that's pristine. Um, at that point, it is up to me to go in and say, okay, how do I want to make the edits? And now you can talk back and forth to the AI and say, shorten it, uh, make it more in my style and tone. Because as you communicate with the AI over time, it starts to know and see what it is you're, you're all about. Write it in my tone. Yeah. Right. And it, and, and then it'll, you know, it'll give me the ninth grade version right? if I yeah. want it. Um, so write it like a fifth grader would read it. I mean, there's just so many as creative as you can be. 
Um, now, however, remember, if you're looking for clicks, you're looking for conversions, the one that they give you, if you ask it, hey, get me a subject for this particular email or this post that will that will be highly clickable and they'll spit one out. And you're like, OK, that's the AI knows that this is probably going to be a good one. And, but I don't like it just because it doesn't fit my style. So I'll say write 10 more that are equally powerful. And then now you've got some to pick from. You delete one of the words, you make it your own. But man, if you're not powered by the Iron Man suit of 2023 and beyond, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table. You're going to be left behind. The good news is it's just coming to an application near you. So if you go out ahead and you go do the research and you want to be an early adopter, great. I've always been the leading edge guy that uses technology. But the good news is it's going to come to you whether you love it or not in your email, in your phone, everywhere. It's just here. But like and I had Mr. Dennis, you on uh, one of the one of the first engineers ever at Yahoo for SEO. And something that he said is, you know, you actually have to go in and you have to give it certain like when I put in some if I'm going to write when we do my article, I'm going to say, you know, about our interview and I'm going to say, you know, chat GPT, please. I say please all the time. I don't know why. It's just something that I do. Um, Please write an article. And what I do is, and this is a hack for you guys, your podcasters. I actually listen to every episode that we do. I actually write everything down. Then I put it into chat GPT. And then I say, you know, chat GPT, please write a, a, an edited version. So it does sound like not an, an eighth grader wrote it, but also make sure it's SEO optimized. So it has a lot to do with the things that you put into it because you're only going to get what you put out of it. But you have to use certain words like use, you know, SEO optimized. So it knows there's certain words that's going to use a couple of times that when you do put it in a blog post, it's automatically going to get picked up by, by other things. So talk about that, you know, certain words like, you know, SEO optimization, you know, or certain words that you use in a script. So you're actually, it's going to be seen by somebody because there's no sense of writing a blog post if nobody's going to read it. Well, it's funny you you brought up the please and thank you because I did a survey on this just a week ago. I had lunch and breakfast with Bernadette McClellan. She moved from Australia to Colorado, superstar revenue enablement person. And we talked, I said, do you ask ChatGPT please? She goes, oh, absolutely. So I'm like, all right, I got to do this as a survey. So 47 people voted, 57% are polite and they say please and thank you to the chat gpt 40 percent no two percent sometimes i was in the 40 percent. i i never by say the way where, where'd you think i i got that that little stat from chat gpt you got it from you oh there we go <laughs> following you. okay there we go so sometimes i like to put out things that uh, maybe other people don't think about. <laughs> and so those are them. You know, I I'll, I'll, I know we're running up on the, on the time here. I'll go back to when I first put AI out. There was a little unknown company in San Francisco called Nova.ai. And what Nova would do is they found the early versions of ChatGPT, right? At the time, I remember they were like, oh yeah, have you used GPT 2.5? And they didn't call it ChatGPT. Now people know it as ChatGPT, but back in the day, the, the code word was GPT 2.5, GPT 3, GPT 4. And so 
this guy, Will, was using it to read your LinkedIn profile. And then right before you send an email, it would serve up relevant information, including the weather. Hey, Richard, I see it's uh, 67 degrees out there today, wherever you're located. Um, hey, I see we went to the same college. It would find commonalities and they had this big AI model. And when I first posted that, hey, this is where the world's headed, man, I had a lot of haters. <laughs> I don't know what it is about me and haters, but um, the people were like, this is gross. Even the founder of Eloqua, which is the biggest email spam machine on planet earth. It could be used for spam or it can be used for email follow-up, et cetera, right? He posts gross period on my post about, hey, and, and at the time I was going, hey, you put my AI powered by Nova in a room with your best BDR and we both write 100 emails. I go, let's see who comes out with the best reply rate the best outcomes, right? We're an outcome-based society. Let's get the best outcome. And they, the people, these CEOs of companies would post back, well, my, my BDR can't write 100 emails in an hour. And I go, okay, I'll give your rep eight hours. You can give my AI five minutes and then we'll compare the results. And nobody would take me on the challenge. And I was like, guys, it's here. And then people would say, we need to start taxing the bots as if they're a $67,000 a year BDR. It's <laughs> like, no, this is like a calculator. This is like farmland. This is like a car when it first came out. It's scary because we now can fly across the world and go to Japan in, you know, six hours or 12 hours. This stuff's here. You got to embrace it. Now, who, the ethics side of it, who gets to put in some of the code around, uh, tough decisions. That's important. I think we need a new title called the CEO, which is a chief ethics officer. Um, that's a whole nother can of worms that I think people need to open up and we need to recognize that if you program badness into the AI, it'll kick out badness. But used for good, man, you can do a lot of good things with this stuff. But now also, I think because of SEO, I mean, not because of this, because of AI, if you go the more human side, I think you can start crushing it. Even like Gary Vaynerchuk says, you can start crushing it even more because everything is going to start to look alike. And if because I'm going back and I'm listening to um, all Gary Vaynerchuk's books again and all Russell Brunson's books again. So if, you, if AI is so everybody's getting AI, if you come out and you start, you know, DMing somebody like I. I send out birthday messages every day to my friends that have birthdays and they know it's me because I'm going to talk about their wife. I'm going to talk about their kids. I'm going to say, Hey, how are you? You know, if you're a Marine, Hey, Semper Fi, love you, brother. So I think if, if you can use AI, but mm -hmm. then also start being more human, mm -hmm. I think you can just crush it each way. What are your that's that 1 million percent because you're right. The world's going to be AI'd and all of a sudden you're going to see so much content. You know, there's, there's a guy that's doing an AI training course for a hundred people. He's charging a thousand dollars. It's a hundred grand masterclass for 16 weeks. When all those CEOs go out in the world and know how to do content at scale powered by AI, it's going to just be overwhelming to the human. So that's why I'm interested in NLP because it's all about the map is not the territory. Uh, 
mind and life are part of the same system. There's all these presuppositions, understanding that, Richard, your background of your parents, where you grew up, the schools you went to, the teachers you had, the experiences you had make up your perception of reality and mine make up my perception of reality. So uh, being able to understand that level of the complex mind and connect with people on a level like we never have before, I 100% agree. Put the Iron Man suit on so that we can connect at a more deep level than ever before. Um, and that that's where I'm thinking ahead two, three years out. What's the tech that can layer upon? And that I alluded to that before, right? Building it, like taking all these smart hundreds of years or 50 years of research, putting it into an application. You're right. It's human to human relationships and, and we're getting back to basics. So there's something I wrote down and then we're going to start, start winding down. Because um, when I started, you know, I, I guess about three years ago, I took a deep, really deep dive. I went down the wormhole about mindset. I, I picked up Tony Robbins book again, like 30 years later. Uh, then I started, you know, think and grow rich. And then I started realizing, wait, the brain hasn't really changed since the 1890s and 1900s, you know, since, you know, think and grow rich and, or the Carnegie's. So I started taking a deep, deep dive. And then I heard Ed Milet and Tim Ferriss. I love Tim Ferriss, by the way. Um, if you guys don't know Tim Ferriss or Ed Milet, you needed to know him. And they started talking about the reticulator activating system in the brain. And I think that is the most powerful thing, even more powerful than any computer or anything you can find, your phone. If you learn how to use your RAS, you can pretty much get anything you want in the world as long as you hyper-focus on it. Again, I got a child with ADHD, so he uses his, his RAS like crazy. So talk a little bit about that RAS, because I know you know a lot about it. I just want you to drop a little knowledge real quick. Well, I don't know if I know it in that wrapper. I've met Ed Milet at a trade show or two. Um, I know of him and certainly met him. Um, I don't know if I know the RAS uh, code word, but yeah, I mean, to me, I've been part of some mindset courses. A good friend of our family's name's Robert White. He's graduated 1.3 million people from the different courses all around the world. And I've hosted with him five different events. And those events go through the same three core structures. Complete your past, not forget, complete, right? You've done that work, complete. You're on the page today. The past is complete. It's been done. It's finished. And then tell the truth about your current reality by taking in information slower and then choose your future. So where, where I believe that you're going with RAS is the choose your future part. Because right now, the, the nuance for me as a believer is some people say, I'm going to go reinvent my identity. And they have, and that's cool. Like if you have some serious trauma and things, man, I can't even imagine what it must be like for a lot of people who go through a lot of traumas that are worse than the three I went through in one year, you know? So there may be a time and place. I can't comment on that. What I do believe personally is that my identity is God-given. My identity is the skills I'm given, the people that I meet. And it's, I don't want to change my, I don't want to go reinvent an identity. 
I want to lean into the identity that God has for me. So a lot of times when, when some of these advanced mindset people are like, look, I was born as a writer and now I'm a motivational speaker. And I'm like, and I could see the gap even to this day with this one person I'm thinking of. And you can tell that they're a writer, man. They want to be writing. That's their passion. They just couldn't make money at it. And so they're living out of their God-given identity. And I'm like, if you could just right-size your home, your all of it, then you could be living in your passion. So I, I just caution the rewriting your identity stuff with God, you know, who am I in Christ? Who am I in my God-given identity? And there's a great book on that called God-given identity by Rico McAdory. He's a super friend of mine. And like, I went through his course week after week for six or eight weeks of one-on-ones. And when you can lead into your God-given identity and do the things God has in store for you, that's a lot of fun. Okay, but now, like I said, this is one last point I want to t- talk about. Then I got one, one really, two really important questions to ask. Um, if we believe that our Father is in heaven, right? Our Father owns everything. So if my if I am the head of a billion dollar corporation, my child, if they're if they're doing the right things, they should have the benefits of that, that billion dollar corporation. So I believe for me, if my father owns it all, I should be able to use it all. Because, But I know that I don't own anything in this world. God's just letting me borrow it. I don't mm-hmm. own anything. Mm-hmm. But if he let me borrow the key I got out front, there's no reason I can't borrow the DeLorean. Mm-hmm. He lets me borrow the house I live in. He'll let me borrow the beach house. Mm-hmm. As long as it's in perspective. And knowing that I don't own it, and I give him all the credit. So talk to I believe that if if we are his child, and we are, because I call myself, I, I am a son of God. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a son of God, there's no way I could be broke. There's no way I could be depressed because I have everything He promised me. But now I hear people say, "Oh, really? Oh, really?" The promises, and I'm like, but one of the fruits of the spirit is long suffering, and we forget that. We kind of want all the other fruits in his, but we forget the long suffering. So I think, you know, that we should be able, if we're if we're child of God, our, our our mind should be open to everything that the Lord has for us, and that we should be able to enjoy, you know, what he ha- he's given us and what he will give us, as long as we appreciate what we have first of all, and we give him all the glory. Right? Yeah. Well, and look, I moved into my parents' neighborhood. Now it's my neighborhood. And believe me, there was some imposter syndrome there for a while. And it's like, how did I get into this place? And and at one point I, I was even like, okay, this is hard to make the mortgage now. God, your will be done. As Todd's book says, your will be done. And I was like, if I need to list the house and go move into a smaller house for a period of time, I now own the house. It's amazing. I got a really good interest rate. But if that's your will, then by all means, let's go. And so I even put it up and then God gave me so much business in the last couple of months where it's like, no, 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 but thank you. Thank you, child of God. You, you, you were willing, you, you know, it's not the end all be all of living in a big house like you live in. 
and and the faith that I that I leaned in on, and then he and then they say God will throw open the floodgates of heaven when you have faith in me, and and that's what we need to remember is whether we're driving a BMW, living in a mansion, or not, it's okay. Have faith that God gave you the skills that you. Are, are, are meant to have and follow, follow the path he has for you. So yeah, I'm in alignment with what you're talking about. So last question is, or my second to last question is if Joe Snuffy gets out of the military, wants to start a company, wants to start using AI, what would be the top three pieces of advice you would tell him on October 25th, 2023 about using AI for their business? Number one, learn from a LinkedIn pro of how to connect with people in your audience. I'll put your in bold caps because you can go say, show me CEOs of certain size companies that are part of a Christian group. If you're Christian and you go to those people, there's a 78% connection rate on one of the campaigns that I'm helping run right now. So be specific, be learn LinkedIn to its core. That's the very first thing. Um, the second is learn from other people who do it. There's C-suite network. There's board of advisors in Sarasota, Florida. Um, there's so many different masterminds. Go research them, figure out what you want you can afford. And in many cases, you can go to the founder of that and say, hey, look, I'm just out of the military. I don't have a lot of money to invest. Could you let me come alongside of you guys for a year? Man, if I was running a mastermind, I'd say, yep, high five. You were in the military. I owe you a debt of gratitude. Absolutely. You can come and don't just stop at a year. You can have lifetime membership, you know, but ask to be part of a group of people that are strong in their faith and strong in what it is you're looking to do. Number three, the, the phone's not dead either. And when we talked about humanization and AI, I'm finding a lot of people coming to me. I'm one of the best on the phone and I have a lot of people who know how to do do phone work. So as we rehumanize, <laughs> as AI kicks in and everyone goes digital, do, do things that haven't been done for a while. Write a handwritten letter to someone you want to meet with. Call them, pick up the phone. But those are those would be my three. I love it. And that's something that I do. I still like when you get when you hang up, I'm going to ask you for your mailing address. I send out handwritten cards. And because Steve, Steve Stim told me, People love them and people actually, because you don't get cards anymore. They'll actually hang them up on your their refrigerators just because they, they you're not getting a bill, but you're actually getting a handwritten. There's an app called Letter Lab, L-E-T-R, Letter Lab or Letter Labs. And I just mm -hmm. did a test of it and it it writes them as it, it looks like it's handwritten. So it's a little bit of a cheat. I, I don't know if I can uh, tell you to do that or not, but it's, it's something I'm testing right now to see how it works. Okay. Last question I have. Um, you know, we're talking about faith. We talk about faith a lot. And we I don't think we really even knew that we were men of faith like we are. And I think that's why we bond. We, we bond, we bond. Um, I've been told that if you don't feel close to God, you're the one that moved. You know, he's the alpha, the omega, the begin, beginning and the end. He's always there for us. So if there's somebody that's listening to us right now that's struggling with their faith, what is something they can do to start finding that peace again? subscribe to the you matter to christ podcast and listen to the back episodes there's roughly 125 or more 
and I ask the same six questions every time, the two most important, tell me about a time you hit the buzzsaw of life. Tell me about a time God undeniably showed up for you in life. And 98% of the time, those two things are extremely tightly tied together. So if you're in a crap time of life, it's as hard as it is to know that that crap time, I feel it. I've been where you are in 2021 when I wore the freaking weight of the world. Just know that what happens as a result of that is what is meant to happen. And that's where God shows his face. That's where you learn what your future is meant to be. So, man, that's that's the biggest thing. And, and when you hear these people, there was a woman who was raped and she shared it on my podcast. And when I asked her, when did God undeniably show up for you? She said, uh, remember when I talked to you five minutes ago in the podcast when I was uh, being uh, attacked in college? Yeah, then, because I looked out the window and it was raining that day and I saw God weeping for me. And I knew then that I would make it out alive and I'd be able to make it through. So in your darkest moments, because of that situation that she had to endure, never told anyone about it for four freaking years, including her family, friends, and anyone, and she hated herself, now she helps other people. And that has become her life passion. So you Matter to Christ podcast, there's so many good 30-minute conversations that will help you understand that what you're going through right now is meant to be, and it'll lead to the best things that can ever happen in your entire life. Okay, so last question, officially, um, how do we find you? How do we support your mission? How do we find your podcast and your books? Connect on LinkedIn. I'm at 25,000. I think I max out at 30. So uh, <laughs> there's still time. We can be connections. Um, it's Chad Burmeister. That's just the link. Search me on LinkedIn. I'd love to be connected with you. I've made the offer before. If someone wants 30 minutes, an hour, man, book me. I mean, I, my calendar link's right there on my page. If you want to just talk and about anything, you know, I had a guy who was about to be homeless. He had three kids. And he was like, Chad, I heard you give this out, this offer. And I talked to him. He became a director of his company. I just saw about two weeks ago. This was maybe 10 years ago that I had the talk. He just retired. And I'm like, he was almost homeless. We had to talk about God and faith. And now he's retired. And I'm like, that can't be the same guy. And I went and looked at it and it is. So reach out, man. If you want to talk, no strings attached. I'm not going to sell you anything. I'm going to listen and I'm going to be a be a one of God's children and guides in your life. Chad, brother, thank you so much for being a brother in Christ. Thank you for being a friend. And hopefully we can build a generational relationship. Amen. So guys, make sure you check him out. Check out his LinkedIn profile. It's fire. Um, it's amazing. But guys, as you know, before we log off, I always talk, say, you know, I love um, this quote is that by Joel Osteen, we either have, we have a choice today. We can decide to be the victim or the victor. So guys, make sure that you're choosing to no longer be a victim. Now it's time for you to be the victor. And if you love what we're talking about, make sure you, you check us out at verticalmomentumpodcast.com where you can get the t-shirts, the hat, the swag, or just become part of the family. Now, so far we're over like 1 million members. So thank you guys so much. Chad, brother, thank you so much. I want you to go kiss the bride, kiss the kids, tell them we love them. And I'm so grateful for you. Man, you too. Keep it up. 
All right, guys, remember vertical momentum, the only way to the only way is up. I love you guys. Have an amazing week. I'll see you in about two hours. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.